0: God's word, ladies and gentlemen, is full of promises that you and I literally can take to the bank. But we must remember that it is he who can believe. It's not if you will.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win Podcast with Pastor and Teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's v l c c a z dot Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to the Book of Hebrews. We just finished a series, and I'm I'm doing a little uh, addition to that series today as we uh, enter into Palm Sunday and. And uh, Easter Sunday. In uh, three weeks, I'm going to start a new series, and the title of that series is "Is uh, Destined to Win." That we are destined to win, and that's a promise that God has. the The Bible says that we're 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 in a race. We're in a race, and the only ones that win are the ones that win according to God's word. I was uh, preaching a few weeks ago, and and uh, one of the statements that I make, and I've made this for many many years, is No place in God's word does it tell us that he promises success in this life, but he does promise success in him. If we yield our lives to him, if we yield our lives to his word and commit our lives to Christ, then Christ in us and through us will bring success in our lives. And uh, it's not the success necessarily that the world says, though it can uh, have that incorporated into it, but the reality is gonna be eternal success. Folks, I, I, one one guarantee that I know is none of us are getting out of this life alive. And I, I tell people, you know, the, the, the job sometimes is a little tough, but uh, if you stay with it and you commit your life to it, the retirement plan is out of this world. We've learned over the last few weeks what it means to live a life of faith. And I, I, I pray that by God's grace, I was able to articulate that in, in a simplistic way that we could really grab a hold of it. Last week, I talked about confidence being the key essential to living that life of faith, confidence and certainty and assurity. But now I wanna share some, some tidbits that are just something more. And I want to do that this morning because I talked about confidence last week, and it's it's tough to to bring that all out in one uh, simple sermon. And so I want to talk to you about that confidence a little bit more this morning because you and I as Christians, you and I as Christians have been given the greatest confidence in all of creation. And you know what that confidence is? That every war we have entered was won before we walked into it. See, the Bible declares the victory is ours because the battle is the Lord's. Let me say it again. I I got two people there. The victory is ours because the battle is the Lord's. In 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat is is, uh, preparing to go into something that seems insurmountable. And God begins to speak to Jehoshaphat because he was praying and he was asking God, he's saying, God, this looks like something is going to be tough to deal with. And God said, don't worry, Jehoshaphat, don't worry about it. Go tell the people that the war you're entering into today is mine, not yours. And I will give you the victory and I'll take care of the battle. Can somebody get excited in God's house? Well, it's the same way today. It's the same way in your life. It's the same way in mine. So let me me say this, ladies and gentlemen. Because you expect to overcome, because you have confidence that greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world, because you expect to succeed, because you believe that the battle has already been won and that God has already made a way where there seems to be no way, Because you expect to live a victorious life. Because you know that when you wake up in the morning, it doesn't matter what the day holds because you know the one that holds that day. Because you expect. You and I exude a confidence. We convey a confidence. We nurture a vitality. That everyone we come into contact, they may not like where you stand, but they are exciting that they're around somebody that stands for something. Can you say amen? Amen. See, in the third verse of Psalm chapter 5, David said these words. He said, every morning I take my request to God. Every morning. I'm up in the morning, and and I pray every morning. And I get out, and I believe God, and I trust God. And then David says these words at the, at the end of that third verse. He said, I lay my, my request before God, and then I wait in expectation for God to do what I've prayed. So let me take you quickly this morning back to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I'm going to read this out of two different versions. I'm going to read it out of the, the, uh, the uh, Living Bible, the Living Bible, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible, two different uh, scriptures. I'm going to read verse 11 or chapter 11, verse one out of the Living Bible, and I'm going to read uh, chapter 11, verse six out of the Message translation. There are two good good translations for you to read. One is a paraphrase, which simply means that they're expounding upon the scripture as it is being uh, uh, written down. And the other one, it takes it even a step further. A guy named Eugene Peterson, many, many years ago, uh, sat down and, and started articulating or writing down the, the Bible. They call it the message translation. And he hoped to convey as if God was just speaking to us a message that is still living. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it starts out by asking the question, what is faith? Say that with me. What is faith? Well, he answers this kind of rhetorical question. He answers and says, it is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. Why even ask if you don't believe it's going to happen? Why even request if you don't believe it's going to come? Why even step out if you don't think God's going to step in? It's certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see God. Up ahead. Now, I don't know about you all. I've been on some paths and stuff that that went around bends, went around corners, went over hills, and I couldn't see exactly what was on the other side or around that bend or over uh, uh, past that corner. But I always could walk through it with confident assurance, knowing God's already been there, and there God is waiting for me. Hebrews 11.1, one, what is faith? It is the confident assurance. Now you go down to the sixth verse of that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm reading out the message translation, and it's in your notes, and it says these words, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. You cannot live the Christian life apart from faith. You cannot have a victorious Christian life apart from faith. Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe two things. One, that he exists. And the second one is just as critical and even more imperative that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I know Christians that have a hard time with prayer. I know Christians that have a hard time with with asking someone they can't see for something they desperately need. But the Bible says that's the only way that God works is through faith. So it's impossible, to please God, apart from faith. Why? Because those who come to God, those who approach God, those who live their lives before God must first believe that he, resi- that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seeks him. Now, I want you to take in your notes there and I want you to underline that phrase because that is the problem the devil tries to beat us with continually is God doesn't really care or you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing with. God doesn't really care. You wouldn't be going through what you're going through. God doesn't really care. You wouldn't need what you need. How many can say, I've heard those thoughts before? Underline these words, that he cares enough to respond. The thing I know about God, he always answers prayer. He always responds. So first thing in your notes and just quickly this morning, it is essential that we believe what God has promised. It is essential that from Genesis one to Revelation twenty two, that we believe every word in God's word, and that we believe that every word is still for your life and for my life today, can somebody say amen? If we allow the enemy to lie to us and say, "Well, that was for another time, for another people," then we lose. See, faith is the confident assurance that what God promised is going to come to pass. When we step out in faith, a statement that I have made for many, many years, when we step out in faith, you know what happens? God steps in in fact. God takes your faith and turns it into fact. It's the only way, and it's only when you are able to see the things with the eyes of your heart that you begin to see your faith becomes fact. It's only when you look at God's Word and say, God, you did it for them, I know you'll do it for me. God, you did it then, I know you'll do it today. This is where we have to go to that next step. We're trying to live a life of faith where we have to have confident assurance of what God said is true. And the the title of your sermon today is that all things are possible if we'll just believe. If we'll just step out in faith, God promises to step in in fact. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to begin to live our lives with more anticipation and certain expectation, confident in what he has already done and what he still said he can do and will do through us. The psalmist In chapter 78 of the book of Psalms, reading verse 41 and 42, it's not in your notes, but you need to write it down. The Bible says that that the people of God limited God. You know how they limited God? Because they didn't remember what he had already done. They didn't remember the battles that he had already fought for them, the victories he had already won for them, the glories he had already exposed to them. And because they didn't remember, they had a tendency to forget. Isn't that amazing how we forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget? Matthew 19 Jesus is talking to the disciples, and and he's sharing with them the passage right before this in verse 25. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go into heaven. And the disciples said, well, well, who then could be saved? Because they, like many today, they think that if you're really a Christian, you're going to have all the blessings and all the promises and all the glory of your life, and you're just going to be rolling on top. Well, you know what I did when I started living this life of faith? I didn't stop with Hebrews 11.1. 1. I didn't stop with Hebrews 11.6. I went all the way through Hebrews. We call Hebrews 11 the faith hall of fame. And you know what the Bible says towards the end of Hebrews? There were many that died not seeing the promises. But they knew they were waiting for them. The Bible talks about Abraham. He lived his entire life and never built a house. Matter of fact, it is said that the only thing that Abraham actually purchased was the place that him and his family were going to be buried. And you can still find that place over in Israel today. Why? Because the Bible says that he sought for a city who had foundations, and whose maker and builder is God. Can I tell you something? That's a foundation that will never crumble. That's a city that will never be shaking. That's a promise that you and I can hang our hats on if you can say amen this morning. See, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said, guys, it isn't about what you have here. It's about what you're preparing for there. Success is not measured by the things of this life. Success is measured by who you are in Christ. Can you say amen this morning? And he told them in chapter 19, verse 26 of Matthew, he said, what is impossible for man is possible with God. What is impossible for man is possible. And with God, all things, say that with me, all things. Come on, say it like you mean it. All things are possible. When I am in him and he is in me, watch out, devil, because I'm living a life of victory. Let me, let me put it this way. I'm a simple guy. If you bring God a thimble, if that's all your faith you have is like a thimble, you bring God a thimble, he'll fill it. Pastor, you know, I'm kind of, that's fine. Bring God a thimble; He'll fill it for you. If you decide that you've got a little bit more faith today, bring God a bucket. And you know what God will do with that bucket? He'll fill it. Matter of fact, he'll fill it and it'll start running over. Now you get up tomorrow morning, you say, well, man, that preacher preached a message that just stirred me up. I'm bringing God a 50-gallon drum today. And you know what God says? That's good. I want to fill it up for you. See, walking that walk of faith, ladies and gentlemen, is a confident assurance that God is going to do what he said. Is there anybody excited in the house of God? God is only interested in what you have. God is interested in what you have. You said, I ain't got much. God said, that's okay. Let me know the much you have, and I'll take it, and I'll press it down, and I'll shake it together, and I'll cause it to run over, and I'll make people pour into you. Because God wants you to know little can be great in Him. Second Corinthians Once again, it's not in your notes. It might be in your notes. 2 Corinthians 8, did I leave that in your notes? Talked about the church of Philippi. We've talked about the church of Philippi. I've talked about it for the three and a half decades I've been pastoring. Philippi was probably the poorest church or one of the poorest churches in the Bible. But they were great in faith. They were great in faith. Say, well, Pastor, how do you know they were great in your faith? Well, because the Bible says they were. And you know how they measure the greatness of their faith? In the amount they gave. Not just financially, but physically. It says they first gave of themselves. Now, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he said, You know what, guys? You need to take a lessons from the church in Philippi. You know what he said? And you find it there in the 12th verse. He said, they didn't give what they didn't have. They gave what they did have. Too many times in our lives we say, well, God, I can't give because I don't have it. Sure you do. It might be a thimble. It might be a bucket. It might be a barrel. It might be a dump truck. But you got things. And God said, if you will trust me with what you have, I'll take care of what you have not. If you'll give me what you have, it may not seem significant to you, but God said this is what faith is all about. It's the confident assurance that I'm going to take care of what you don't have. Am I making sense this morning? If you will give, trust, believe, have faith in what you have, God said I'll take care of what you don't have. A guy by the name of Thoreau said, If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with success unexpected in uncommon hours. I I couldn't have enough time today or, or next week or next month. I could do it day after day after day of the things that God just did in response to what I'm doing. So let me ask you, what are you expecting for your family? What are you expecting for your business? What are you expecting in your own life? Can I tell you something? And it's on the screen. Most people never get more out of life because they're not willing to put more into life. We were talking about the children's ministry this morning, and I I heard Ryan talking about it. And I heard Tandy talking about it. And now you're going to hear me talking about it. God has placed in the hearts of men and women of this church to get involved in ministry. Well, some would well, not me. I'm not called to ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And you know what he did with that new person? He said, the first job he gave you is the ministry of reconciliation. If you're a Christian, you're called to ministry. Okay, I got this side all stirred up. If you're a Christian, the first thing God's done is called you to ministry. So if we sit back and, well, God hasn't called me, then you're not saved. Either that or God's word's not true. That's right. I didn't write it. I just preach it. I like to tell people, I don't make the rules, but when God said it, that settles it. How many ever saw that bumper sticker? If you're old enough to remember the one that said, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You know you can take the middle part out. It don't matter if you believe it or not. God said it. That settles it. Okay? And you say, "Well, that's kind of that's kind of rude. That's kind of that's kind of in my face." You ought to read the Bible. It's kind of in your face. If you're called, if you're saved, then you're called. And so in this children's ministry, it's really sad, ladies and gentlemen, the most difficult places for the church to fill many times is the children's ministry. And I I understand. I I know sometimes moms, dads, you come to church and say, this is the only break I get from the kids. Well, when you start looking at it not as a break from, but an opportunity to transform the kids, a little bit different, isn't it? So I I encourage you, see Tandy. Where are you at, Tandy? Stand up over there. She's a little short, so I've got to stand her up. There we go. There, oh, stretch up there. There we go. Go see Tandy, and Ryan's still hanging around. You stand up. Ryan. Well, Ryan is taller, so he don't have to stand as tall. But okay, go see Ryan. Go see the children's ministry. Go see the nursery ministry. Go see the youth ministry, and say, "I'm called. I love these kids. I have a passion for these kids. Where can I serve?" I didn't even have that written in my notes, but it fits so perfectly. Most people never get more out of life because we're not willing to put more into life. And Christians are some of the worst. We come to church, serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me. When God says, you want to be served? Serve me. And I'll take you to places you've never imagined. God will give us the measure of faith to do everything. You and I can't have faith. We can't drum it up, we can't think it up, we can't we can't conjure it up. God has to give us. According to Romans 12:3, he said, "I gave you the measure of faith to do what?" What he wrote in Philippians 4:13, "To do all things through the strength of God in you." And God says, "Can you believe?" Let's go back to that passage in Hebrews. What is faith? It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. And it's impossible to please God apart from faith. We just have to understand he cares enough to respond for those that are seeking him. James 2.20 It says, oh, foolish man, don't you know you cannot show your faith without your works? Oh, we're not saved by works. But because we have faith, according to uh, Hebrews, once again, no, Ephesians, I'm sorry. According to the book of Ephesians, it says that, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then it goes on in the very next verse. And he said in the 10th verse of of Ephesians uh, chapter six, he says, I want you to fulfill the works that I created you to to accomplish before you were ever born. When you get saved, and you yield your life to God, and you take this passage and this Scripture literally as it is meant to be in majority of its writing and step out in confident assurance that God's going to do what He promised, do you know what happens? All you're doing is stepping out into the works that He created you to do before you were ever born. That's all you're doing. You didn't... Ryan didn't one day... Well, I'm, I'm going to get in the children's ministry. No, God birthed that in Ryan before he was ever born. Tandy didn't just, just say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. Well, somebody has to do it. Oh, you know, might as well be me. No, Tandy, all she's doing is stepping in to what God, before she was ever born, said, this is what I want you to do. People say, well, how did you become a pastor? I stepped in to what God called me to do before I was ever born. And you are the testimony of that. You are the letter of that. Oh, foolish man, faith without works. People see our faith by the life we live. Second thing quickly this morning. It is essential that we believe what we say we believe. If we're ever to see our faith fulfilled. It is essential. Essential. Expecting God to do what God said he would do is essential to the believer. We will never receive what we do not expect to receive. Let me say it again. We will never receive what we do not expect to receive. Let me go back to that passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to first believe he is and that he cares enough to respond to those that are seeking after him. I've said it for years, and please don't take this wrong. I wonder if we get nothing as Christians, because many times we expect Nothing now I'm going to put on the screen first first or James chapter one, and I'm going to walk through this with you because I want you to see something now James, a little bit of uh, a little caveat of, of understanding James, James is the Lord's brother, physical brother, half brother, same mother, different father. Joseph was actually James's father, Mary was the mother, uh, God was Jesus' father, and is Jesus's father, okay so James, if you want to know some interesting stuff about James, James did not even come to saving faith until after the resurrection. It's just like raising up in the home with your with your brother. I've got seven brothers. I've got you know uh, four now because two of them have died. Um, I became a pastor. They knew me. They know what I was, and it's tough for them to kind of it's tough for family to accept family when they get changed, when Jesus changes their life. Any of you can say amen to that this morning? It's tough for family to believe there really is a difference, but they will watch you. And you know what James did? He watched his brother. And I guarantee he called him every name other than Lord for a long time. Oh, you're just doing this. You're just doing... Okay, but after the resurrection is the impression that we see in scripture is he got saved he gave his life to the risen lord because he saw him and james two two books in the bible i mean every book in the bible just art just resonates but two books in the bible that really stand out is james and jude jude is the other lord's half is the lord's other half brother that's in the scriptures James is writing, and he's talking about faith. He's talking about receiving from God. He's talking from an experiential perspective. And look what he says here. If you want to know what God wants for you, ask. Ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who seek. Don't change the screen yet. He is always willing to give a bountiful supply of wisdom. See, God don't want you haphazardly going through life. He wants you to know what you're doing in this life. And He said, if you want to know what it is, just ask. He said, I'll give it to you. And then we have the next screen. And it starts out with what word? What word? I'm not going to get into a description that I got into once years ago of that word. We will leave it alone. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, Yeah. It's right there on the tip of my tongue, though. I I could just break. But I won't. Some of you are chuckling because you already know. It's interesting. He says, ask. God wants to give you everything. And you know, I I went through this morning, I went through about 20 different translations and there's, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And every single one of them start this phrase with the word, but. James, who was a bit of an agnostic before he got saved. He saw things, he read things, he knew the word of God. But he's writing from experiential understanding. And look what he says here. But when you ask, what's he talking about? That whole first part. He said, God wants to tell you everything you want to know. He longs to give you wisdom to understand everything. But when you ask, be sure that you really expect him to answer. I'm always always blessed by Christians who call me and say, Pastor, you're never going to believe what happened. (laughs) Why do we say that? Why would I not believe what we've prayed for? If I didn't believe, why would I pray? Be sure that you really expect him to tell you For. A doubtful mind, that that word doubt means duplicit. It means like a person is standing on both sides of a fence. It literally comes from the word. It means a double standard. You're trying to live for God and for the world. A doubtful mind will be unsettled as the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Don't go to the next one yet. Are you starting to see James 1? Very articulate in his writing. Very concise in his understanding and very succinct in his laying it out. He said, God wants to do it all. God wants to give you every answer to every question you ever ever wanted. But you want to really hear it? You really want to hear it? Because if not, you're just going to live life kind of just bouncing in a ping-pong machine. Or uh, what do they call those machines? Pinball machine, not ping pong. Pinball machine. So let's go to the next let's go to the next passage here. We're still in James chapter 1, and we're getting to verse 7. Every decision you then make, If you are doubtful, if you're not really expecting God, every decision you make will be uncertain. How many can say, man, did that guy just read my mail? Ladies and gentlemen, I I am not Mr. Greater Than Thou, Holier Than Thou, anything like that. But something that I learned a long time ago... I I believe this work this this book, and I expect everything that God has said to come to pass, and I've seen it come to pass. Incredible amount of times. I don't care what doubt blows my way, and it does blow my way. It comes into my mind just like yours, and I said, Nah, doubt. I'm taking you captive, I'm casting you down, and I'm bringing you under the authority of God's word, and I'm trusting God that he's going to bring it all together. Because that's what God's word promises. So he says, look at this, every decision you make will be uncertain as you turn first this way and then that way. And if you don't ask in faith, don't even expect the Lord to give you a solid answer. I tell you what, that was worth coming to church this morning right there. Don't even expect the Lord to give you a solid answer if you're not going to ask in faith. Am I making any sense today? There's, there's a couple statements that I want to make here, and they both come out of, a, they both come out of a, a book by a guy named Alan Redpath, and the book is called Blessings Out of Buffetings. And there's a study of the book of 2 Corinthians where that passage comes out that said, God said, give me what you have and I'll take care of what you don't have. And so in this book, if you, if, you, if you haven't read it or if you didn't know about it, I would go out. It's called Blessings Out of Buffetings. It's by a guy named Alan Redpath. And he made a statement that, that it is possible to be a saved soul and live a lost life. What that literally is saying It's possible to be saved and forgiven of one's sin, but then waste your life by not serving the Lord. Oh, yeah, you still make heaven. You dismiss all the promises. You miss all the blessings. You miss all the rewards. When you and I decide to give God everything we are and everything we have, you know what we're literally saying? Is we're saying, God, we expect you to do according to your plans according to your purposes according to your pursuits that's why over and over in scripture we find this phrase according to your faith be it unto you if you believe a little God said that's fine not a big deal get out there and you watch me turn that little into much if you believe much great great Let me turn that into beyond your mind. And this same guy, Alan Redpath, in the same book, said these words, at salvation, everything. At salvation, everything the Lord has is ours. But we will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ we reach out and take let me say it again it's, it'll be on the screen in just a second at salvation everything that god has is ours everything that god has is ours now i guess it didn't go on there i see the next screen it must have got left out but it's in your notes but we will only receive as much as through faith in jesus christ we will reach out to and take. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? Life has a way of happening to us. Life has a way of happening to us. Expectancy enables life to happen through us, not to us. When I expect God to take even what the enemy meant for bad and turn it around for good, that life just kind of goes right through me and I go to the other side of victory. Why? Because I expect God to use every situation. Oh, I may not understand it. I may not have it figured out. I may not know why I'm in the middle of this thing. But I do know, just like the three Hebrew children, if I'm in the middle of fire, daddy's in there with me. There was a little girl that with all of her heart, and I left this in your notes. Her name was Lisa Love. And with all of her heart, she wanted to be a cheerleader. And she finally made it to the cheer squad. And, and Lisa was, was working and working and working. And as things would happen, devastation hit her. And she lost a leg in a horrible accident. Well, she thought about her dream of being that cheerleader, and that's, that's all. She, I mean, she lived her whole life to do that and focus on that. Well, she, she went through the surgery, she went through the healing, and she went and got a prosthesis, an artificial leg that they, they put on her. And she went to the, the coaching staff of the cheer team, and the, the coaching staff reluctantly allowed her back on the team. So they sat and very gingerly didn't, you know, didn't think she could do it. So they tried to treat her this way. They tried to treat her that And she said, guys, I lost my leg. I didn't lose my life. Come on. And so she's out there and she's doing this. Well, the very first uh, uh, get together at the school came together. The, the first prep pep rally to where the, the, uh, the cheer squad was going to be out there. And they were doing all their routines. And all of a sudden, well, it was time for Lisa to do a tumbling Well, she went out there with all of her heart, and, man, she was, and she went, and and she tumbled, and all of a sudden, her leg went flying. She fell to the ground, her head buried in her hands, embarrassed, and tears. Something welled up inside of her and said, huh, huh? nothing's going to steal this from me. So she signaled to the girl across the thing that had her leg and said, give it to me. So she brought it back over. The other girls helped her get her leg strapped back on, and she got strapped on, and she stood back and continued the whole routine as the entire school stood to their feet with a standing ovation. You see, this was a little girl that realized life happens. Life happens. Can I tell you something? Life might be happening to you right now. You might be going through this, that, or the other thing. Ladies and gentlemen, life happens. And when you stumble, the Bible says if you will look to Jesus, the author, and finisher, you know what he'll do? He'll help you strap that leg back on. He'll help you get back to your feet and continue your journey. And you know what? When that happens, all of heaven will stand up and say, Oh, yeah, that's the child of God I know. Come on somebody get excited. Yeah. Mark 9 If you can believe if you can Now I want you to look at this. I want you to underline that word can. Because the scripture could say if you will Believe, But it doesn't. It could say if you could believe or you would believe, but it doesn't. It says if you can believe. It is not, ladies and gentlemen, if you will or if you would or if you could, it is very simply if you can. Maybe you're here this morning, and it seems like all hope is gone. All dreams are dashed. All plans have perished. And God is saying, can you believe that all things are still possible? When Lisa lost her leg, she could have sat back and said, my career is over, the the, the whole routine is done. No, she said, no, no, I I can believe this is going to still work out. And I can still believe if somebody just helped me strap it on. See, I've shared this for years, ladies and gentlemen. I love Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. But you know one of the great things about 4.13 is it's got 4.14
1: attached.
0: And 414 says, I am glad that you were there with me, helping me along this journey. Can somebody get excited? Amen. (laughs) Let me begin to wrap this up. I could say in closing, but you all learned a long time ago. What's in closing mean to a preacher? Absolutely nothing. I could ask you for five more minutes and have you raise your hands. And How many give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, yeah, I, no. Yeah. I'm just going to say, let me begin to wrap this up. Because I've got until 335 when the movie starts to get this done. Okay. Pastor Ray is getting nervous now, so there. I have a typo that I found in my notes. We scrutinize this, but number three in your notes, it is essential. We never let, and your notes is gonna say, God, take the, G, the D off if you would. Oh, yours is right? Then, oh, mine is wrong then. Okay, I didn't catch it in my notes. It is essential we never let go of what God has promised. Woodrow Wilson said, we all grow great by our dreams. All great men are great dreamers. All great women are great dreamers. All great Christians are great dreamers. Oh, it may be in the soft haze of a spring day or the red fire of a long winter's evening. Sadly, some of us let those dreams die. But others of us, Nourish and protect them. When the bad times come, we nourish them through those bad days until we bring them into the sunshine and light, which comes always to those who sincerely hope that their dreams will come true. I thought that was such a wonderful writing that I wanted to bring this into today. Don't ever let anyone tell you it can't be done. Can I tell you something? The ones telling you it can't be done are usually the ones that ain't doing it. Don't let anyone rain on your parade. Don't. You imagine how easy it would have been for that that little cheerleader to give up when she lost her leg? Well, what's the sense even trying? So many of us in this world we live in get into what I call victim mentality. Folks, my goodness, aren't you glad at Calvary Jesus didn't say, Dad, this isn't the way it's supposed to worked out. Dad, let's just get rid of them all and start again. Come on, let's just clean the slate. Aren't you glad that he said, Hey, we can do this, Father. Don't let anyone or anything kill your faith or steal your dreams. Who says it's too late to regain the desire, the stamina that you once had? Who says you're too old and you should retire? Folks, I need folks to reenlist. How come? What you once maintained is probable. Somebody has now convinced you it's impossible. Something I learned a long time ago, the only thing and the only one that can stop your faith from coming to pass, your dream from coming true, is the person sitting in your chair. You might be standing on the seashore watching your ship spread its sails in the morning breeze, preparing to leave the blue lagoon. And on that ship is your hopes and your dreams, your ambitions, your aspirations. All of your faith is wrapped up in what once was an object of beauty, an object of strength, and you've watched her. Until now, she's just a ribbon of white cloud where the sea and sky are mingled together. And then a voice inside of you says, it's over, it's gone. No more. And that voice keeps tormenting you. She's gone. You can't do what you once did. You're too old. You can't do what you once did. You messed up too much. You can't be what you once were because you've given in, given out, and given up. It's gone. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. Just like your dreams of yesterday. But the question I have to ask you, where has it gone? Where has she gone? Oh, maybe gone from your sight. Maybe diminished. But can I tell you, it is only in you because you've listened to too many lies. It's only in you that this visible accomplishment passion, dream, desire and this voice is speaking, she's gone, it's over it's just one of the multitude of liars but you know if you'll listen you'll hear another voice begin to speak to you and you know that other voice will begin to say she's not gone come with me and this other voice will walk you to another shore and say, look, here she comes. That other voice is God. He said, I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you. He said, all of my promises are still intact. I will always be with you. You know what he's saying? Can you believe that I haven't changed my plans Can you believe that? Not will you, not would you, not could you. Can you? Because everything has been beating against you. Can you get that stamina, stand back up? You see, when the 12 spies went into the promised land in in Numbers chapter 13, 10 of them came back and said these words, In our eyes were but grasshoppers. In our eyes were were but grasshoppers. They didn't say what the enemy thought. They didn't say what the situation thought. They said, this is what I think of myself. And maybe you're here today and you can't remember. You say everything is gone. Can I encourage you? Step back. Look at what you've done. Look at where you've been. And look now where you are. Because in that is where the confident assurance is going to begin of where God is going to get you yet to go. Jeremiah 2911 God said, "I haven't changed my plans for you. Israel, you messed it all up, but I haven't changed my plans for you. There was a young man. he didn't have much schooling, he didn't have anything. he was always kind of a, a lumbersome kind of guy and, and he was always a bit bigger than everybody else and a bit a uh, little off-center, if you will, as far as you know he was just a big guy. Imagine what it would have been for this guy if he hadn't decided one day to go down and get a bunch of books and teach himself to read. If he didn't decide to go and teach himself some of the different things in in school and and education and different things like that. Let me me talk to you about this man for just a moment. He was young and he could have easily given up. He started a business and his business failed in thirty one. He tried to run for a, a, a government office in 32 and was defeated. He was elected in the legislature in 34, but his sweetheart died in 35, had a nervous breakdown in 36, and defeated for the Speaker of the House in 38. This was a guy that could have failed any time. He could have quit because that is the only true failure. He was defeated for election 40, defeated for Congress in 43, but he was elected to Congress in 46, but again defeated in 48. Defeated for the Senate in 50. Defeated for to become vice president in 56. And defeated again for the Senate in 58. But fortunately for you and I, in 60, he became become one of the greatest presidents ever lived. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Don't you think he might have given up sometime along the way? But he said, no, I've got too much going for me. i got a God that's going to back behind me. You say, how do you know? Because I've read enough of Abraham Lincoln's life, brothers and sisters. He knew the God who he served. As the worship team comes, Galatians 6 tells us, do not be weary in doing what is good. For at the proper time, not your time, not my time, at God's time, we will reap if we don't quit. Now some of y'all might not be old enough to remember churning butter. I grew up on the farm, and we would churn butter. We would go down to the dairy. We didn't have milk cows. We had every other kind of animal, but we didn't have milk cows, and we would go down to the dairy back then. They would still sell raw milk. And even today in my house, all these years later, when my wife and I have a jug of milk in the fridge, the first thing I'll do when I take that jug of milk out of the fridge is I'll shake it. Because if you're a country boy and you realize if you didn't shake that milk, you're going to have a mouthful of cream. So I'd shake that milk and get it all nice and shook up, and then I'd pour me a nice, cool glass. That was what we did. We took and scraped the cream off the top because the cream would, thick, thick, would, be, would thicken. It would harden. I say, Pastor, why are you telling all of this? Because I'm going to tell a story that doesn't make sense if you don't understand how you churn butter. And it's called the Ode to Two Frogs. Did I leave it in your notes? Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told the sides of the can were shiny and steep and the cream was deep and cold oh what's the use said number one tis fate no helps around goodbye my friend goodbye sad world and weeping still he ground drowned well number two of sterner stuff dog paddled in surprise the while he wiped his creamy face and he dried his creamy eyes I'll swim a while at least he said or so it has been said it really wouldn't help the world if one more frog was dead. Well, an hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once did he stop to mutter, but he kicked and swam and swam and kicked, and he hopped out the butter. Some of you are still looking out said, "I don't get it." Come around some of the old folks. Pastor Ray will help you understand it completely. (laughs) God's word, ladies and gentlemen, is full of promises. That you and I literally can take to the bank. But we must remember that it is he who can believe. It's not if you will. It's if you will nothing to stand on. Well, God said, if you come back to me and you'll trust me, I'll help you strap those legs on and I'll teach you how to stand and face anything the world has to throw at you. You see, I believe that all things truly are possible if we can just believe. If we can look past what wasn't, We can begin to see what yet can be. If we can take a step of faith, God said, I'll take a step right back and I'll turn that faith into fact. Expecting God to do what God said, expecting that all things truly are possible, that's where you and I have to stand. We're coming into two of the greatest days in all of Christianity. Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday was the day where Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. People shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They called him King of Kings, Lord of Lords. They called him Messiah. But just one week later, that same crowd... Because things didn't go the way they thought that he would. He didn't come to be a conquering king. He came to be a suffering servant. And because it didn't go the way they thought it should go. Crucify him. Crucify him. Maybe you're at that point in your life. God, I thought you said. God, I thought you said. And God's saying, well, you just expect need to do what I said stop listening to all these other voices telling you your dreams are gone your faith can't make it or you've stumbled to the ground God said "I'll, I'll make sure you get back up can you believe and if you can all things are possible with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe you're here and you're going through stuff and and none of us know or maybe some of us do and you're saying, Pastor, it's tough but I can believe and I'm going to stand oh, I've stumbled I've fallen flat on my face but I can do all things I might need you right now to help me strap those legs back on Maybe that's you here today, and you say, God, I need that help. Lord, I need that help. I want to open these altars just quickly, just quickly. Maybe you don't even know the Lord. Maybe you're not even saved. Maybe you, you have heard all of this and say, well, that sounds good. Is it really real? A whole church full of folks here will say, yes, it is. Or maybe you know them one time, but all these voices, all these things have deterred you. The Lord is just saying, come on, come back. Return to me. And I'll return to you. These altars are open. As we begin to sing this song, this is the bottom line to your faith and my faith. And that is where do we have our eyes focused? Where do we have our hearts committed? Are we turning them to Jesus? We're we turning them somewhere else. These altars are open if you would come today.
1: Pastor Tim Masters, with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center, with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.